Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Chase and Tales Outdoor Podcast. I'm Chase. I'm going to be your host for this episode. I'm super excited uh, for this episode. I get on the line with my good buddy, Brett Mashburn. We discuss our Missouri trip. On a previous episode, I talked with Brandon. Uh, Brandon and I hunted together the whole time, uh, so I figured I would just get Brett on. Uh, Brett was able to find some success in Missouri. Uh, we discussed some of the challenges that we had and just the overall experience. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this intro short for you guys. This is a longer episode, so if you get a chance, check out Spartan Forge, check out Scree Gear, and check out our Patreon. Brett even discusses at the end of this episode uh, how cool it was to interact uh, with the Patreon members on our Marco Polo group after he had shot that buck. Uh, You'll get to hear the story And I think that if you're looking for a hunting community and you're looking for like-minded hunters, uh, this is the group for you. Uh, We have a a $5 tier that gets you in our Discord group, and we have a $10 tier uh, that gets you on the Marco Polo. Uh, So with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and dive right into the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. On today's episode, I have a sure enough killer on this episode Mr. Brett Mashburn, Brett and I both spent a good amount of time in Missouri during the rut. Uh, We're going to kind of discuss uh, what we saw. This was Brett's third trip to Missouri, my first trip to Missouri. Uh, We're hunting the same piece of public. And at the end of Brett's trip, uh, he has a super exciting story to share with everybody. So, Brett. Before we get started, I'm pretty am pretty sure that most everybody knows who you are. You've been on the podcast multiple times now, but why don't you give everybody just a quick little rundown uh, about yourself before we get started? Yeah, so 
like Chase said, I'm Brett. I'm from South Alabama, very close to the Florida Georgia line. And I've been, I started out just hunting private land and I've been hunting public land for uh, about 13, going on 14 years now. And I've just hunted in South Alabama all my life until recently I started going out of town uh, or out of state trip to Missouri. And me and Chase, the, our Chase decided to come up with me this year and we had a blast, I think. <laughs> Yeah, we did have a uh, a good time. Uh, it was a new experience for me because I've never hunted Missouri. I have hunted the Midwest, uh, but never uh, Missouri. Kind of actually probably I hunted Kansas, um, which it really as the crow flies, it's not really too far from where we were at in Missouri, but definitely looks different <laughs> than what uh, Kansas did um, before um, our trip, because like I said, this is your third trip up there. Um, Brandon and I got on the podcast. We talked about uh, our scouting, our couple of day scouting adventure in Missouri uh, that we went on. So we knew a little bit about the uh, piece of public uh, before we got there. Um, it was a long drive from Florida uh, to get there. Um, you were already hunting. Uh, you had you started hunting on the first. Uh, we left on the 31st at night, uh, so we got there somewhere around, I think, around 2 o'clock, uh, 2 or 3 o'clock Missouri time um, <laughs> to get a little bit of uh, scouting in that first day, and you were actually getting down <laughs> when we got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had been hunting that day. I don't, and I, from what I remember, I don't know that you saw a whole lot the first day. Did you see very much the first day? No, I think I seen uh, three deer that first day, and I don't remember. It was sometime around lunch. There was like some misty rain that come through and some higher winds, and I hadn't hunted in cold weather at all this year, being here in Alabama. <laughs> it was pretty cold that day, and that wind started blowing and hit me in the back for about a, about an hour of uh, mist and rain just blowing on my back, and and then it would like go away and come back and start raining again. And after a while, I just got so cold. I could not stand it. <laughs> I, had to, I had to just go ahead and get out of the tree. It was probably around two thirty, maybe three o'clock. And I think I met y'all at the parking lot right before y'all went out scouting. Yes, that's right. You met us at the parking lot. I said that you were hanging it up for the day. <laughs> yes. And the, well, the funny part was, is I think it, quit raining about that time like you had gotten down but the the walk was so far <laughs> back in there you're just like i ain't doing that again <laughs> going back in there and coming back out uh for the few hours and i think it was i mean i believe it was a good call based on the rest of the trip as far as like how the afternoon hunts went yeah i believe so and i think you and brandon did some scouting and i did some riding around the outskirts of this public checking out parking lots too to try to maybe um to help y'all know where people were in hunting and stuff out and also for me because i hadn't been to uh around uh, this whole piece of public i've kind of just stuck and stuck to one area and uh just been kind of breaking that down and hunting it so I kind of got out, rode around a little bit, and uh, looked for deer just crossing the road and people parked and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I hung it up and 
went on back to my brother's. Right. Yeah, you had a, a good, lot bigger drive than we did every day. Uh, Brandon yeah. and I, back when we decided that we were going to go, um, I started looking at Airbnbs in that area, and I found one that was within, uh, I think it was about between 15 and 20 minutes uh, from the piece of public we were hunting. And it was just a room. I mean, we stayed in, basically we're staying in somebody's basement <laughs> is what it boiled down to. Uh, but, I mean, it was a little over $30 a day. So you, you can't really beat that. I mean, we had a little kitchen. We had a bathroom, um, bedroom. Uh, yeah. The, the the biggest risk was their little um, yard dogs or dogs that they had <laughs> yapping at our feet every time that we uh, yapping. Uh, went in the house. There was one that was a little protective. Uh, she nipped at my, my legs a couple of times, but I mean, she never bit me or anything, but that first day when we pulled up, I mean, they sounded violent. <laughs> we got to the house. So we're texting the lady, Hey, are these dogs, is it safe to go inside <laughs> with these dogs? Cause they were out. And she's like, Oh, they're fine. Uh, which they were, um, they had a bunch of dogs, but yeah, so we, we had already had that lined up, uh, for the trip. And we didn't, we ended up scouting uh, the rest of that day. Uh, we found, we scouted this one area uh, along a creek uh, that first day, and then we did some driving. Um, I think we were just basically trying to uh, get a gauge for what the pressure was on that piece of public as far as how many vehicles were parked uh, at each parking area. And I was kind of surprised that there, there was not as many as I thought there would be. And that's funny because I thought there was more people there than what there usually is. <laughs> right. And maybe maybe it's because I hadn't rode around as much, but it did seem like we've seen a lot of out-of-state people, and they were kind of hunting during the week. Um, right. Seemed like they were more or less sticking to the same areas for the most part. But uh, yeah. when that weekend hit, it, it was a different story. Well, yeah, well, there was definitely certain areas of it that had more people on it. Um, there were some areas that, the parking areas, there was zero trucks almost every day <laughs> uh, that yeah. we went by. And then other areas would have multiple uh, vehicles in it. But you're right, there were, as far as driving around some, there were some Louisiana, some Mississippi, uh, a lot of those southern states. Uh, that were up there and we actually spoke to a couple of guys that were from Mississippi uh, and that was their first year on this piece of public um, they said that they had been traveling to Missouri I think the last three or four years hitting a new piece of public uh, every year but they said that they were going to end up they were probably going to come back to that piece of public again next year well were any of them successful um, they were not, those guys were not successful. They had had some encounters um, where they were at, but uh, they didn't end up taking a deer um, where they were hunting. And I think they had stuck it out in one area for most of the week, but they that's when uh, kind of towards the end of the week, they had made a move kind of closer to where uh, you were hunting at um, by the end of the week. Yeah. But they were seeing, that, uh, according to them, they were seeing plenty of does. And I think they kept saying that they were seeing um, the same three or four bucks like every day in that area that they mm -hmm. were hunting. Um, and one of them they considered an actual shooter. 
Yeah, that sounds about like my experience this time. Uh, right. Um, but like you mentioned, the weekend, it seemed like a lot of the locals came out <laughs> for, for yeah, the weekend. I landed the woodworks. It was also apparently duck season <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, uh, well, I think the duck season didn't come in till that weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, on the I think that's when it started. Right. Yeah, that pretty much about the time we were leaving. Yeah. Um, at least Brandon and I, about the time we left, that's when uh, the, the duck hunters kind of came out of the woodworks, it seemed like. But, yeah, there was a definitely a lot more people in the parking lot that last Saturday uh, that we yep. were there. It was Yeah, the last day y'all hunted. It was nothing like that. But before we went out there, Brandon had spoken to the biologist that was over the, the property. And we actually met him that yep. Saturday. <laughs> we actually met him that Saturday. He pulled up as we were uh, finishing up uh, the hunt for that day. And he made it sound like there was going to be way more people <laughs> out there than there actually was. <laughs> Um, well, of course, he, he hunts that property as well. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, he was kind of trying to sway us maybe to a couple of different pieces of public. Um, but there was, it was nothing like he uh, described, at least during the week. Now, maybe the weekend, it could have possibly have been like that. Um, because that parking lot that we were in that last day had, what, five or six different vehicles in it? Yeah, I think there were six of us, and that's including my vehicle and yours. Right. And before that, you weren't really having any competition over there. Maybe one other vehicle? Yeah. So, apparently, so that that Saturday that you left, you know, we met we met the uh, older gentleman and then the younger gentleman that were uh, locals. Right. And, and apparently, the older gentleman said that he thought, he thought that I was dead or that he thought <laughs> he thought that uh, he needed to call a game warden or, or somebody because he said every morning he got there, my truck was there. Every day that he left, my truck was there. When he come back the next day, my truck was still there. <laughs> right. And when, he, and when he left from hunting, it was still there. And this went on for three days. And it's just because I was getting in there earlier than everybody else and I was doing all day sits. Right. And I was basically leaving after he was so to him it looked like my truck had never left because i parked in the same spot every time right well <laughs> that's a a good point you kind of made is the all day sit during the rut yep um this was on this trip this was the first time that i had ever really done all day sits normally i would hunt till i don't know almost noontime probably during a rut hunt and generally the action would die down, get down, go eat some lunch, maybe do some scouting or something, and then be back in the yep. tree by 2.30, uh, 3 o'clock. But on this trip, you had talked about doing all-day sits. so uh, it, it paid off, you know, the years prior, like especially the first year. Right. Because, you know, I seen a lot of deer. I mean, most of the bucks that I – nice bucks that I seen the first year I went up there, was between 11 and 2 o'clock, right? <laughs> which uh, wasn't the case this year <laughs> at all. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the case. Um, I think uh, during the trip, uh, Brandon and I, because Brandon, he actually uh, sat with me. He had the camera, um, and he actually sat in the tree with me every hunt. 
And I think we ended up doing uh, at least three uh, all-day sets. And from it always seemed like there would be action until about 11 o'clock, 11.30. And then it would just flat die until about 45 minutes before dark on those three all-day sits we did. We, we never saw a deer um, between at least noon and 5 p.m. on any of the all-day sits that we did. I don't know if you had the same. Um, I know you weren't seeing nowhere near as many deer for sure during the no, all-day sits. It seemed like the basically from a, a daylight, from the break of day, like the first uh, shooting light till about 10 o'clock or so, there was pretty good movements, and the morning seemed to be the best. And in the afternoon, it was probably the last um, hour to hour and a half. Uh, mainly that last hour and right there around sunset. That's when I seen most of the movement. But there were a couple of days that I seen really, really good movement. There was two days. Um, and both days, it was frosted it was the two coldest days when we were up there i think it was a wednesday and a um wednesday and a thursday right something like that and I, one day i think i seen uh it was 18 deer in an all-day sit and then the other one i seen 24 deer in an all-day sit but by far that was the most uh, other times it was more like only seeing like anywhere from six to maybe nine at the most. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm trying to think, I, we had one day where we saw a buck that it was probably, it was around noontime and he was out, he, he was feeding actually. It looked like he was feeding on acorns uh, pretty hard. It wasn't a, an older buck or a bigger buck or anything. It's probably a two and a half year old uh, there. It may, may have been, or a stud one and a half year old. <laughs> uh for there i think he was a seven point but other than that like it was it to me it seemed like uh some of the areas that we were in that we i would have thought there would have been some maybe midday or mid-afternoon cruising uh going mm-hmm. on uh, especially being on the like downwind side of bedding and things like that but just never really uh panned out that way and as far as rutting activity you definitely saw way more rutting activity than I did. I actually never saw a buck chasing a doe or nose on the ground or anything. All the bucks I saw were out were alone and just kind of doing what they would normally do. And the crazy thing is, is I think it was that last day, that Saturday was really the last day for you and Brandon was, the day I seen like an actual buck, like all out chasing a doe, like four foot behind her, just on her tail, just running her. Right. You know, it, it was the only one I seen, and it was that Saturday morning when we wasn't, you know, that far apart that day. Yeah. <laughs> and they ended up running right underneath my tree. Right. Yeah. I remember you saying that you had a buck chasing a doe and you had drawn back on them uh, you didn't really know what like what it was for sure yeah, <laughs> but you were I just ready sure I was, yeah i wasn't even sure if i was gonna shoot it but i was gonna be ready 
if I could get him to stop and he was something I wanted to shoot. Right. Yeah, I was. that was the one thing that kind of uh, – the only really thing that kind of blew my mind while we were there because – uh, we hunted from I don't we didn't really hunt the first so we hunted like the second third fourth fifth so five days we basically hunted five days uh, yep. while we were there and the weather was good the entire time like the weather w- what I call good I mean it was in thirty to that fifty range for the most part until the last day when it heated up <laughs> it was warmer then whenever we left, but for the, all the other days, uh, I thought the weather was perfect. Um, yeah, the weather was good. It was just so slow compared to the two years before, and come to find out, they didn't really have any um, hard freezes. They didn't have any snow or any kind of real cold weather before we got up there, and I think the weather we seen while we were up there was the coldest that they had had. Right. Uh, and, especially for October and November. And usually they have at least two good cold fronts that come through before uh, the 1st of November. And which also helps knock some of them leaves off the trees, which were not off the trees when we went. Right. Um, the bedding area that I was hunting was still green when it's usually a golden brown. Yeah, and I think I remember, like, on that last day, one of the the local guys had even made a comment that it looked like it was still September. Yep. He's like, yeah, he goes, man, it still looks, up here, it still looks like it's September. And I was like, yeah, I said, when we were up here in September, I mean, I was telling Brandon, I'm like, hey, this is going to look a lot different when we get here. I was like, a lot of these leaves are all going to be gone. (laughs) And lo and behold, we get there, and I'm like, well... I guess I told you a fib, Brandon, because there's still <laughs> quite a few leaves because there were certain areas that I felt like I, that we were set up that had the leaves not been on the trees, we would have been able to see a lot further. Yep. Like we would have been able to see to that next opening or that block of CRP or field or whatever. Like I was like, if we were sitting here and all the leaves were off like they're supposed to be, we would have been able to see out a lot further. Uh, in some of those areas and even when we were sitting on the edge um, of like maybe a creek or something like that I felt like we should have been able to see a lot further in than what we actually could see just because of all the leaves that were still on the trees yep normally I've seen a lot of cruising next to some of them creeks and all right and I end up having to spend a lot of my time up there by that creek because of the wind, you know, the wind the first two days was out of the north and it shifted to a south wind the whole rest of the week. Right. I mean, it was just south wind the rest of the week, and which is not normal for over there. No. And so I kind of had to change up and I was sitting on that creek, which I've had um, really good um Good luck with seeing a lot of deer and seeing a lot of bucks cruising that creek, and that just wasn't the case this time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like it was. It could have just been an off year, or maybe they were just behind a week or so. Yeah, uh, I think the they're normal. just behind. Right. Um, the only way to really know that is if we were getting if if we had somebody up there and we were getting a report <laughs> like, oh, they're going nuts up here. But I know as you left, it was like a warm front came through that's yeah kind of why i mean brandon had a plane that he had to get back on 
So that's the reason why we left when we did. Um, right. If he man. didn't have to get on that plane, then I would have stuck it out for a couple of more days because uh, I still had plenty of time off from work. Um, but we had to – I mean, we and we even looked into maybe him flying from Kansas City <laughs> to where he needed to go, but it was just too much money um, at that point trying to get like a last-minute flight or whatever because I was off for like another six days after I got back uh, from that trip. But you were – and you were – getting to the point where you were about ready to come back home because a lot of your bucks down here were rutting <laughs> and yep. the action just wasn't what we thought it would be up in Missouri. Yeah. It, it was going to be hotter in Missouri than it was going to be back home. Right. And, and we had already seen the movement was so slow and we had some really good weather. You know, we had a, we had the highs and only like 46 degrees for two or three days straight. Right. And then it was just going to get hotter. So, in my mind, that movement was just going to get even slower. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was good. I mean, it was in, like, the high 60s or somewhere around there, or low 70s, I think, is what it was projected yep. to get to. And the low is only uh, around 55, 56. Right. We didn't even hunt that last evening. We had kind of planned maybe we were going to hunt that last evening, but after seeing the movement for like the previous four days of really nothing uh in the evening time till maybe the last 45 (laughs) minutes uh and it was and that was when the weather was good (laughs) that was when it was cool out or colder and you know in that same day that saturday it's when all the duck hunters come in there and they they just absolutely blew out that bedding area right um then I was hunting around, and I think they run a bunch of deer over by y'all. Yeah. And, um, you know, like that morning, I just absolutely didn't hardly see anything. I seen them two deer come running behind me, and I think I seen one other. I seen a doe or something cross the creek. Right. And that was all I seen that, that Saturday. And it was – and that Saturday morning, it was actually pretty cold. I think it was like – Yeah, it was uh, cold that morning. You know, it was like 36 or something. Mm-hmm. And that was going, that was the last cold morning after that, it was going to be, you know, high forties and then getting to the mid fifties in the morning. Right. Yeah. That, that last morning when we were set up and then we could hear people, we could hear like kind of like this group coming in, we're texting back and forth. We're like, God, they're being loud. Like yeah, and, I, I can see them. Yeah. And I, I can at least see all their headlamps. Yeah, and then at one point, it almost sounded like one of them was trying to go up a tree, and we were just like, holy cow. I mean, you could just hear them for, forever. <laughs> and then they were talking back and forth. And, and like, hollering. Yeah, we are like, what is going on here? I was like, there's no way that they're hunting back in here. And uh, about, what was it, like 45 minutes before daylight, you could just hear, quack, yeah. quack, 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 quack. And I was like, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they started blowing the duck call, and I'm like, oh, but – I mean, we they did kick some deer our way, but the deer that they kicked our way, it was still like 30 minutes. It was minutes. an hour before sh- shooting yeah, light. it was right. still almost an hour before shooting light. I could hear them. I could hear deer walking underneath us by the creek, but you couldn't see them um, whatsoever. And we had seen, I mean, we did actually have some bucks come out from a different direction, and like they actually headed towards where the duck hunters were, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, y'all actually seen a, a couple of bucks 
Right. Um, that that last morning, and I think there was even a deer. I think you said you may could have shot. Yeah, yeah. There was a buck um, that I definitely could have shot. Um, he crossed. Uh, he took that path that we th- that I thought the deer would would be using. Um, and I think he was around forty yards. Um, but he was. I mean, he was a younger deer, seven point, like yeah. an eighty or something, ninety inch deer. Uh, that as far back as we were in, I was like, nah, <laughs> it ain't happening. And yeah. there was another buck before him. He was an eight point. He was probably pushing, you know, that hundred inch range or so. Um, I just wasn't, I mean, we caught, he was actually headed a different way and we grunt, we just gave him one soft grunt and he kind of came, he moved our direction, but he didn't, he never looked like he was aggressive or anything. It's just like he heard it and he was just trying to maybe investigate a little bit to see what it was. Uh, and then when I saw him better, cause they, he kind of came out like right at daylight within like the first five minutes of legal shooting light. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Brown, I was like, Hey, let's just give him a soft grunt, see what he does so I can see him a little bit better. And he came within like 70 yards. Um, and just, just kind of went cruising on by. I don't know if we'd, uh, mess with him a little bit more he might have came closer uh, i don't now, know was that the biggest buck you seen on the trip um it was between him and a 10 point that we saw i think on the second morning um mm-hmm. there was a 10 point that we saw uh he was a younger deer I, he just had good genetics i believe yeah uh, he can't that was a deer that we had seen like at 11 o'clock in the morning um but, uh, and he was just out crossing and going back to bedding is all, yeah. all he was doing. Uh, him and another buck, him and another buck, there was another smaller buck with him. They kind of acted like they were wanting to spar a little bit, but the other buck was so much smaller than him. Like they <laughs> didn't really do anything. Like they put their heads down for a second or whatever. But I mean, the other buck yeah. was, it was like a four point. So nothing really happened. And they both kind of went across. Was that the same deer that, uh, you and Brandon thought y'all seen cross the road in that same area one morning? Yes. Yeah. Um, we did. Well, it was an evening. We were leaving one evening and we saw a couple of bucks. Like I saw several bucks that almost like they were together and they were leaving out of that bedding area, crossing the road to go to like a soybean field that was across the road. Um, and we saw the four point for sure. And there was another just racked buck that we could see out in front of him, like 60, 70 yards, uh, as we were driving by. And it was kind of the same exact area where they crossed the road, where they went into that thick bedding area. Uh, that Coming was out there. the same bedding area. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest, actually the biggest buck I saw was that first, um, evening there when we were scouting, there was a buck out in a soybean field. And he was like coming around just kind of, it looked like he was just trying to check on some does. Like he wasn't with a doe or anything. And he had looked like he had seen a couple of does and was headed their way. Um, But when we stopped the vehicle, um, he kind of just like looked around and then he kind of booked it back towards the corner uh, of the field. But that was probably the biggest buck I saw. And we did that next, I'm trying to think, that next day is we tried to kind of make a play on him. Uh, that next day and we the, and, and that was the funny part was that was the only day we actually had another hunter walk up on us 
uh, we went back in this area. We found a good, well, we thought we had found a good area. As soon as we got set up, we had seen a buck for the most part. Cause we kind of, we, we didn't know anything about that area. So we waited kind of till daylight before we went in there. Uh, and it was a pretty good little walk back in there. And we just wanted to kind of scout that area a little bit before setting up. And we set up in this area um, that, I mean, it had beat down some beat down trails. It had scrapes. It had rubs, uh, all that good stuff. And like I said, as soon as we were set up in the tree, it was like five minutes we had seen a buck. There was a buck on us for the most part. And he was just feeding heavy on acorns uh, in that area. And we sat there, sat there after that. And like I said, it was at dead time kind of from the middle of the day on uh, where uh, about three o'clock uh, Brandon kind of says, Hey, there's a guy walking our way. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like from that, from the direction he was walking from made zero sense in my opinion, because I feel like he walked through betting to get to where he was and he could have easily have walked the way that we came in and wouldn't have disrupted anything, especially in the evening time. Um, he's basically walking where all the deer would have came from to get to that soybean field, <laughs> uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon. And he saw us, it looked like he was headed right to where we were at type thing. Cause when he saw us, he <laughs> kind of like, you could tell he like dropped his shoulders and was like, Oh man, <laughs> I made all this walk back here and there's already somebody here. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we looked and like the closest other parking area was a long ways away through woods yeah yeah it made no long, long sense way. to me at all on why he came the way he did uh but he he i mean he was nice he went around us and looked like he went somewhere else and probably set up uh, for the evening and we did and we saw some deer that evening but they didn't come from there like they came from somewhere totally different we didn't see them till they actually made it out into the field um it was one of them was a buck the other one i couldn't tell what it was um, we never saw, I would say we never saw a ton of deer every sit kind of like you did. Like we never had any days where we saw 20 deer, um, or anything like that. Um, but we never had a sit where we didn't see a buck and we saw does like every sit we had, we saw deer. We just, I just never saw the deer that I was going up there to hunt. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's definitely a lot of deer on that property for sure. Like you mentioned, um, it's definitely got deer. There's definitely a lot of younger, there's definitely the buck to doe ratio seems from what I saw was great to me, <laughs> but I just never saw like a, I don't even think I saw a three and a half. I never saw a three and a half year old or more the entire trip. It was all like two and a half year olds and uh, younger. Yeah. I think it was the second morning. So I started hunting on a Monday while y'all were still on the way up. I think that Tuesday morning, after I figured out how to get in that tree that I got in Monday morning, because the water, I never, I got like water down in my boot trying to get into the tree. Oh, uh, it was some kind of shenanigans. So when I got out after I got cold to meet y'all at the parking lot, I kind of made a better trail and, and I found some like dead limbs and put out in the water, so I had something to walk on. Right. The water was so deep it was going over my boots, but so the next morning I was able to get in there quiet. And I think it was right, I mean, right as you could actually start to see, probably a few minutes before shooting light, and uh, I see a buck out. I'm actually hunting the uh, edge of an ag field in a big bedding area, and there's a buck out here on this field. 
um, probably on like 70 yards from me. And I get looking, I was like, you know, it's a pretty good buck. He looks to be probably a three and a half year old. And he's a seven point. And the field actually was standing corn. And usually it's always been cut. Right. So I had that standing cornfield and I'm sitting there looking. It was a little harder to see deer, but that cornfield was still kind of a puny uh, cornfield. You could basically see through it, but there were some areas in it that were thick. And um, I noticed he was out there with a doe. He was just hanging, following that doe everywhere she went. And I watched him for probably an hour just cruising around. I gave him a few grunts, and he would look, but he was he was not leaving that doe. Right. And I watched him for a while, and they ended up walking right by another tree that I could hunt in. But um, I watched them, and I... I seen I seen a few deer that second day. It still wasn't a ton of deer, but I seen a few deer and, and you know a few bucks and um that seven point was at that time on that second day was the biggest deer I've the biggest buck that I seen and he would have been uh he would have been on the edge of me shooting him that early. You know, I mean he was a good deer but he wasn't no, really big deer. Um, he was he was probably around a hundred and twenty inches or so. And uh, anyways, I'd seen that. Buck, that was the second day. Um, and then, as I was sitting there all day, the the farmers had drove in there and brought um, basically the the head of a combine to cut corn on uh-huh. a trailer. And had dropped it off out there. So I'm sitting there. I was like, well, sounds like they're, you know, going to be combining this field tomorrow. Because they brought equipment out there and dropped it off by the field. You know, so that next day I actually moved off of that field and went to another another spot. Basically, basically just bedding area I'm hunting. It's like a near about 400 acre bedding area and just a big old grown up CRP field with random trees growing in it, small bushy trees and cedar trees. And uh, anyways, I waited on them farmers to cut that daggone field the whole time I was there. Right. <laughs> and they never got done cutting or doing what they were doing. I think they ended up having like two combines, three tractors, 18-wheeler, four trailers, three pickup trucks, I mean, they had stuff everywhere, and they were the slowest I've ever seen. I mean, like, they basically kept me from hunting uh, the area I really wanted to hunt. You know, I was hoping they'd get in there, cut this cornfield. I could jump in there the next day, and I'm going to have deer just piling in there because I cut it. Right. But that was never the case. So it was kind of, I had to pull an audible. And, um uh, so that was interesting. I was kind of dealing with that the whole time y'all were jumping around and uh, looking for deer. Yeah, yeah. The one of the, I'd say probably one of the factors that I found while we were there that um, was it, it made it more difficult is just finding a tree to get in in some of the areas <laughs> especially for two people two, for two people like yes. for one there were there were trees that i could kind of look at and go yeah i probably could get in that tree 
And then you could make it work if you uh, had. I could to. make it work if it was by myself, but two people definitely not uh, getting in a tree. Uh, some of those trees, and w- we ran into that uh, quite a bit. Uh, just finding a tree to get uh, two people in, and and even the, and then in some of the areas it was just like I, I just, we just had to write the whole area off just because there was like well there's just no tree to get in. Like even just with the amount of limbs that were on the tree or whatever, and heck, a lot of leaning trees. Yeah, yeah, a lot of leaning trees. A lot of them that had limbs just kind of everywhere coming off of them. I mean, there were a couple of trees we got in. We were pushing thirty feet up just to kind of get above everything to where we could have some shots uh, out. But so that, that I'd say that was probably one of the things that we kind of dealt with while we were there was just finding a tree to get into where we wanted to be yeah uh, and then just writing off areas to where we when we kind of scouted them we're just like ah there's just no tree here uh to get into but like i said some of them areas were they're like a 400 acre bedding area anyways without any previous intel or observation you're you're just kind of playing the lottery <laughs> you're just going okay there's a heavy trail coming by here uh, i'll try here and then just kind of get do maybe an observation sit and then just kind of keep moving if you have to um, but by then by the time we had kind of found that it was a little bit too late it's always kind of at the end of the trip where you're just like oh yeah this area is good <laughs> maybe i'll yeah. stick it out um, and I think some of the areas where I think kind of you just maybe just need to find that right, either that right kind of area, kind of like you have, or just a good funnel. And yep. you, you may just have to park there because eventually something's going to come through there. Um, yeah. And as slow as it was, you know, some of the areas y'all hunted, I fully believe if that had been a good year, it, it would have been a totally different. And you probably would have had some uh, nice bucks come cruising by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was an one area we were hunting that you had said that your brother's buddy had hunted um, a year yep. or two prior where he had seen a real big buck and just could never quite get in the right tree. Yep. It was last year. Right, to um, shoot him. And the really, that area, there was, the first day we drove by there, there was like a truck parked in one of the parking areas. But after that, we never saw another truck park there um period on that side driving in driving out um the days that we hunted there there was no there was never any competition over there and the 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 funny part was the first day that we did go in there we went in there at dark looking for a tree to get into (laughs) and we find one like right off the rip i'm like oh yeah this is the tree and then you look in there and there's like a double lock ons (laughs) that are already hung in that tree (laughs) and i'm like oh and then we ended up having to go down the line like another like 300 yards or 400 yards from that tree to find a tree that we could get into um for for to hunt there and i was like man why did those lock-ons have to be in there and no one and never saw anybody in there hunting them so I'm, i'm just assuming it was a local uh, that had that had set that up um, there, but they the funny part was when we drove by there that Saturday, there was still nobody over there. There was still huh. nobody in that area. Um, there were definitely deer over there because that was the kind the area where we had seen the good buck in the field. 
uh, the soybean yep. field and where we saw that 10 point and uh, a few other bucks. Uh, I think that morning we had seen like three different bucks cross that kind of, well, before it was a food plot or something. And then it looked like this year they didn't do anything to it. So it had kind of returned to like CRP looking stuff where it wasn't as maybe as high, but it still looked like the CRP stuff uh, that that you would see. But they were still crossing through that stuff to get to a thicker, a more thicker bedding area uh, that they had. Yeah, it it seemed like they were just really sticking to the bedding areas while we were up there. They just, like a lot of the deer I seen were pretty much in CRP. I caught a few deer just early in the morning cutting across the cornfield going back to bed you know and most right. of the time when i've seen that it was does i've seen a couple of bucks cruise across you know and they just went out into that bedding area and lay down and in the afternoons they just pop up out there yeah you know they were staying in cover for sure well the weird part was is when we went there and scouted and at the end of september it was dry like i think they had had a drought or something before all that because those creeks and stuff had no water in them. Like you could walk the creeks, that creek that you were on. And yeah. the river really didn't have that much water. And then I think about a week before we left, they had like two, a couple of days, like of just solid rainfall. Yeah. And there was way more water <laughs> in those creeks uh, yeah, than there was before. And even the area, one that, trees that i went and hunted to actually kill my buck last year out of so when i was telling you about that i got i had the water come up over my boots trying to get in there on that first morning right and the water for the previous two years hadn't been that high right there right so they had definitely had a lot of rain and the creeks were definitely up and there was a lot of water on the ground and a lot of the fields actually were being delayed of harvest, I believe, because of all the rain they had. Yeah, yeah. You could look into the cornfields and soybean and just tell it was wet. Like there were definitely areas where there was still water standing. Um, it was muddy walking through them um, to get to where you wanted to go. Yep. So, I mean, overall, um, it was a good trip. Uh, it was probably, uh, it was probably uh, as out of state wise, that was the second time that I had hunted on public. The first time was last year in Iowa, which was like just a completely different scenario because there was literally nobody hunting that piece of public uh, that we hunted, uh, except for like a couple of out of state people um, that I saw the entire time that we were on it. I mean, I thought it was a good trip. I mean, I didn't see the buck that I necessarily wanted to see, but I still saw deer um, every time. Uh, and the only thing I probably wish I would have done different, but not knowing, is that I would have used those that middle of the daytime to go out and scout. Um, we did do that one day. Um, and we, we bumped quite a few deer scouting, but it was always in areas where there was nowhere you could hunt <laughs> like there was no you couldn't there was no trees close by uh, that you could get into like high stem count stuff where it was just so thick like you literally had zero shots and even if you were on the ground you would have had a problem you know it was kind of normal of what i was seeing the deer in you know i'm right. being in crp fields there was just nowhere to i mean there's no big trees out there they're all just little bushes right 
Um, I did a little bit of calling while we were there. Um, I said the only little really response we got was that that one buck where he kind of responded uh, to the grunt. Uh, didn't do a ton, but uh, did a little bit uh, of calling. So uh, maybe I just need to do a lot more. I don't know. Yeah. But I know some people that rattle whatever every 15 to 30 minutes uh, hoping a buck's – but I never saw enough cruising activity to think that it would work. <laughs> yeah, and I did a little bit of grunting. I did some blind grunting, but I also grunted at some bucks that I could see, like at seven point. There was a um, a nice eight point I seen uh, uh, four different days. I grunted at and just no response. I mean, I had no response from small bucks to to the biggest buck I seen. I no response to it at all. Yeah, and the only like I said, I we did have a, a little buck that we saw one evening where he came out. I mean, a lot of the the one of the things that I did kind of like is when I when we sat up in an area, I could kind of predict. Okay, the deer are going to funnel through here. Like we're definitely going to see a deer right there, and we did every sit like come through a certain area uh, where we were at. But we had one small buck. He came through, and uh, he hit a rub like he was sat there for like five minutes just trying to trash this tree with what little antlers that he had. Uh, but that was it. I, I mean, there were, there, and there were fresh scrapes on the ground. It looked like fresh scrapes that had either popped up or whatnot. Um, never saw anything checking the, cause there was a couple of areas where we were in heck the one tree we were in where we were near you, there was a scrape from that tree. It was this big sycamore tree um, where they had, there was a scrape and there was another scrape probably, a uh, hundred yards uh, to the east of it, I think east, but um, never saw anything like trying to uh, check a scape or make a scrape or um, yeah. anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I see a little bit of rubbing action inside of the, the bedding areas. Uh, the, the two biggest bucks I've seen, actually, uh, one of them being at seven point, the other one being at eight. I've seen both of them rubbing trees like when, so both of them deer, um, like the seven point when I first seen him, he was with a doe and he'd walk around behind her and if there was a little bitty tree or bush or something, he would put his antlers in it and he would, you know, rub on stuff and follow that doe around and the same same with that eight point that I seen, he would do the same thing. He'd go over there and rub a tree or something and just be following that doe around. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, time to think about the, probably the biggest buck I did see was that day that we were walking out all together on that last day. Oh, there was a buck that crossed it. You and Brandon didn't see it. And I was just happened to look up and a buck came out of the CRP and crossed right in front of us, uh, near this Oak tree. He was actually probably the biggest buck I saw, uh, during the whole trip, of course, walking out. If I'd have had my bow ready or something, I mean, he was only probably 40, 50 yards from us. And I think uh, we're chit-chatting. Yeah, we were just chit-chatting, walking stuff. out, and you were showing us, oh, yeah, my brother's hunted that tree, his friend's hunted that tree, killed a buck right here, late season <laughs> type deal uh, when yeah. we were walking out. So we really weren't paying that much attention uh, walking out. And, that, and it was getting hot. I still had all my clothes on, uh, so I really wasn't paying as much attention as I probably should have. But, um, but yeah, I, I had a good experience. Um and like I say, it, to not 
to go in there and to see deer every time, I was happy with that. Like to get in an area to, to see deer. Uh, I know how, I mean, it's, it's still hunting. So there's always yeah. that chance where you, you might not see a deer or anything like that. Uh, I've had that happen during the rut uh, before uh, in the Midwest. Um, but it was, I was the only thing that, I mean, and Brandon and I kind of talked a little bit. We, we were just hoping to see more rutting activity out yeah. of the trip. We were, we were kind of hoping to see more like chasing going on or just have one of those days kind of like where you had one of the years where you watched a buck fend off like six or seven other bucks during the day. That was like the first day of the first year. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, but we just, it just, I don't think it was in the cards for this trip. I just, I think we might've just been a touch early. Yeah. It was just. And I think it had a lot to do with it. Could have had a lot to do with the drought, plus not having hardly any cold weather. Right. Beforehand. Yeah. It's just like the trees were behind, the vegetation was behind, the crop fields were behind, and so was the deer. Yeah. It's like everything was behind. <laughs> everything was lagging behind this year. Right. For sure. So, um, but after we left, you ended up having some success. Uh, on yeah. the trip because you called a major audible uh, at the end because you were I mean basically that was going to be your, I think your last hunt uh, yeah or you had planned it to be your last hunt which uh, worked out so why don't you kind of go over that well I guess I'd go back and uh, I think the Wednesday which would have been my third day there we had the, the coldest day of the trip and everything was iced over I remember leaving um, like my tether and stuff in the tree and it had like my stuff had ice on it basically. And uh, anyways, that day I think I ended up seeing like 19 deer and I ended up seeing a really nice eight point. And he was the biggest buck that I had seen the whole trip. And um, he ended up being the biggest buck I seen the whole trip that I was there. But, I watched his buck and um, I watched him out in his big bedding area. I seen him that morning, seen him that afternoon. The next day, I ended up seeing him. Uh, so basically, I ended up seeing that deer Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for three days in a row out there in that bedding area. And I hunted both, I've hunted the south side and the north side of that bedding area. And when I seen him, I noticed that he would always show up in a certain little, I would say a little one acre area uh, in the mornings and afternoons when I seen him, right. he would always end up coming or just appearing or just being in this one little spot. And I caught myself uh, taking pictures of this area from, from like three, 400 yards away. So I took my camera, my cell phone out. And I started taking pictures. I zoomed in and took pictures. I put my binoculars up and actually took pictures of this buck standing out there. And then I also done the same thing from the other side of this big CRP slash bedding area that was um, in total about 400 acres. I took pictures from the opposite side, you know, looking at it from a different direction. And, um, 
So that Saturday we went and hunted, which was y'all's last day. We had the duck hunters come in. and I mean, it just sounded like they was just tearing the woods down. There was wood popping, uh, just all kinds of stuff. They were talking. It sounded like one of them was mad at the other. It was just, they just made so much racket. I just remember us texting back and forth like, what in the world? There's no <laughs> way these guys are deer hunting making this much noise. Right. And, um. Uh, so, you know, coming that Saturday, I ended up seeing zero, I mean, zero deer out in that bedding area. You know, I had that buck chasing the doe come running down the creek under me and had a doe cross the creek. And, you know, I believe we were talking about it on the way out. In, or maybe when we got to the parking lot, you know, I told you that uh, I'm probably going to end up going up in this uh in this bend there in the CRP field after this deer. Right. Yeah. I like, uh, he, I was not going to have a chance at him coming out cause he just stayed in there, you know? And I, I, apparently that Saturday morning and people, duck hunters ran him out. You know, I took Saturday afternoon off cause I was wore out. I had a, about an hour and 10 minute drive one way. So I was driving like, two hours and 20 minutes a day plus waking up and getting to my parking area before everybody being the first one there and the last one to leave. And I was just dog tired and I took day off, spend day with my brother and my nephew and just relax. So I did that. And, you know, I've been sitting there thinking about, about that deer and just how to go after him and, so I've been waiting on them farmers as well to, to cut that field. And they were just, just, I don't know. They were just taking their time and it didn't seem like they really got out there until about 11 o'clock. So that, uh, Sunday morning, the day after y'all left, I decided I'm just going to sit on the edge of this ag field. I've been hunting the other side for several days in a row. Cause I'm going back to the ag field side, the South side my wind's going to be blowing out into this bed and area. I knew that. But I also knew first thing that morning, my thermals would actually be pulling back into the ag field because the wind was very predictable in thermals. The thermals always pulled to the south first hour, hour and a half. And it was sometime around 830, you know, the dominant wind for that day would take over. Right. And... So I basically got in a tree that was to a far corner of this bedding area that only be blowing in one section closer to where them duck hunters have been hunting. And knowing if I seen them deer, they would be further over to my west. You know, they'd be out of my, my wind tunnel, mm-hmm. um, per se. And so I got in that, I got in that tree because I could also see out in there a whole lot better and I just felt like in the morning I'd have more luck catching the deer cruise back across his ag field or coming into ag field and whatnot. But so I'm sitting there and uh, sun comes up, the sun starts uh, hitting the CRP. And as usual, about the time I start seeing deer start popping up in it. And uh, just so happened. Um, the first deer I seen was 
that uh, big eight point. So I'm like, hmm, there he is. And he's with a doe. And there's another small eight point out there. And a small eight point trying to get to this doe and his bigger eight points and steadily running him off. You know, he would he would kind of start walking sideways at him and that little butt would take off running. And then he would walk back to that doe and that little butt would walk back over there. And this happened three or four times. And then finally that butt, he took off chasing the smaller butt. And it finally decided, okay, I'm done messing with him. And so I watched this buck and this doe cruise in. They ended up coming up behind me, getting very close to my wind, and I watched them bed down. So I took pictures of the area. I dropped pins of where they bedded. Um, this buck also appeared in the same spot he's been appearing every time I see him at first daylight and at um, last light in the afternoon. So I'd take pictures of where where they went to, where they are now, back to there he appeared in, more pictures. And I said, all right, this is it. I'm going after this deer right now. <laughs> so I waited to make sure they stayed bedded down for about 30 minutes, and I eased out of this tree. I would say it was probably around 9 o'clock I got down, and I had a right at close to him a mile walk back to the truck, went back to the truck, shed all my gear, changed different clothes. Um, um, had a snack, grabbed me a water bottle and grabbed my bow. And I just took off cause I had about, um, about a mile and a quarter walk to get around this big bedding area to the downwind side knowing that the wind that they was supposed to pick up to like 14 miles per hour. And I figured, well, by the time I get over there, I know the wind's going to be picked up. It seems like 10, 11 o'clock, the wind's just ripping. So I make it back there. I'd say around 10 o'clock and the wind's perfect. It's coming out of the south. And I started looking at my map um, on my hunt stand. And just kind of getting a game plan of how I'm getting in here. So there's like some random cedar trees out there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to that cedar tree for right now. So I eased out there. I ended up finding a really good deer trail. And I was able to walk that deer trail. And I got in there to a cedar tree. And I pulled my hunt stand back up. And I look at it. And I was like, All right, I need to go to this next cedar tree. And I go to it. Now, and basically, this trail is taking me right where I want to go, and it is just beat down to the dirt. I'm like, hmm. So I get in this area, and there's like these two cedar trees on either side of me, and I'm, I'm looking at my map, and I'm like, I believe I'm in the right area where this deer keeps appearing. So that's when all them pictures that I had been taking from both sides come into play. I was able to scroll through them pictures, and start matching up trees and them cedar trees and bushes and just small things out there to uh, figure out exactly where I needed to be. You know, when I first started headed in there, I was actually thinking about going exactly where that buck and doe had bedded and trying to, because there was a ditch that ran up behind them. And I was thinking about getting that ditch and, and, um, 
it was going to put me within like 40 yards of them and trying to get right in there up on them and wait for them to get up. But as I got out there into it, uh, Chase, I, I just got the feeling. I was like, look, I've seen this deer here. Every time I see him in the morning, afternoon, he always appears right here. So something told me, I was like, this is the area I need to be in. I just need to stay right here. And I get in there. I put all them pictures together, and I was like, okay, I think I'm, in, I'm pretty sure I'm in the right area. And I find this, there was like little, it looked like little hickory, or not hickory, but um, red oak trees out there. They were maybe like six to eight foot tall and approximately two to three foot in diameter with little, just little bitty limbs and leaves on them. And there would be like little rows of them. There, you know, there may be like four or five in a row that are spaced out every um, six to eight foot apart. So I kind of got in between two of them trees like that and got in the shade because the sun was up. It then got hot. It was... Um, I don't remember how hot it was that day, but it was pretty warm. And I remember getting in between them trees and, and also just kind of a going back a little bit, you know, like we had talked about earlier, I was already thinking about going home on Monday because of how hot it was and the deer movement was just so slow. So that was another factor going in just going in after this deer right here right now because i knew it was going to be hot but anyways i get in between them trees i basically just clear out of area and sit down and by the time i get set down i don't 10 45 or so and i end up just sitting in this one spot for for hours and i would say around 3 30 yeah, I was sitting there just scrolling, looking at pictures, and I would get up every once in a while. I'd try to sit on my knees. And on my knees, I was, my head was even with the top of the CRP. You know, this stuff is, is tall. It's like close to four foot tall, the CRP out there. Like when you've seen a deer, most of the time, all you, like on a buck, all you would see is their like head in the rack. And on a doe, you may see their ears. And sometimes you wouldn't even see that. You would just see a glimpse here or there. So there was times I stood up and looked, but the wind was just ripping. And, and like we had talked about previously, it had been just so dead in the middle of the day. And I got to looking at these pictures and looking at everything around me. And, and I was like, I need to move just a little. So I moved up like probably 15 yards to this tree that was kind of like three trees in front of me. And I got right there and I was, oh, I feel better. And then as it got later, I was just like, they're just hitting enough cover on this tree. And there was like this tree to my left. It was like perfect. I mean, like perfect. It was this little like red oak tree and it had leaves from top to bottom. And it was only about seven foot tall. And it wasn't real wide. And then something just kept urging me, you need to move. You need to move. And I didn't do it for a while. And I would say about 4 o'clock, I was like, I moved over there. Made another little spot. So this is the third time I moved. 
And about, I think it was around 4.30, I ended up standing up and getting on the shaded side of this tree. And I was looking back the way that I had last seen this buck and doe bedded. And I was glassing and I was trying to pick out exactly where they were over there. And I was trying to pay close attention, which I was doing this the whole time. But I really started doing it this last part of the day because the deer just started appearing usually around 5 o'clock, which I think the sunset was around 5.10 that day. Uh-huh. Right around that sunset is when the deer usually appear. So I, I'm up at like 4.30 just glass and glass and looking, standing on the shaded side of this tree, looking back down towards the ag fields. And I don't see anything. I'm just sitting there. There's nothing. There's nothing. But, you know, I was confident. I was like, I'm in a good spot. Um, 90% of the deer I see come through right here or they appear right here or something about this spot, which is spot was the only spot out there that had like these two like ditches that run through it. And there was like a little knoll in between them. And that's basically where I was. So it was basically, it was a diversity within that bedding cover. And that's what they were using. So anyways, I'm sitting there and the sun finally sets about five, I don't know, around five, five, 10. And I hadn't been able to look back to my east. Because the sun was just blinding me. I mean, it was bright, bright, bright. And as soon as the sun set and I was able to look back to my east, I look over and about 60 or 70 yards from me is this buck standing there. And all I can see is his tines. I can't even see, I can't see his main beam. All I can see is his tines sticking up. And I know it's this deer and I'm like, oh my God, how did he get over here? he's supposed to be over here to my west 150 yards and he's 60 yards here to my east you know so i'm like just thrown off i'm like holy cow so i grab my bow and i'm you know i've already been ranging trees and what i think are trails and different spots that way i'd be ready and this deer's like slowly working to me and i'm just the whole time i'm just i'm just praying to god just please let him come by me just let him walk towards me walk to my area just let them come by here you know i was i was just praying <laughs> and slowly i mean just so slowly this boat would ease my way and he'd stop and he'd be looking back down towards the ag fields and staring not one time did he ever look my way and he's just slowly working my way just on the other side of this ditch from me and He's getting closer and closer, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. There was one time I thought he was going to go away, and he didn't. He just kept working my way. At this time, I'm like, it's it's about to happen. I'm about to get a shot at this deer 20-yard broadside, and he doesn't have a clue I'm here. He's looking the other way. And all of a sudden, he just starts, like, jumping just straight up and down through this CRP you know, still about to come out right in front of me. So I'm like, crap, I got to hurry up and draw back. He's about to be right here in the open. So I draw back and I get draw back and he stops. And he's just looking around. You know, he's still not looking my way. He's looking a different way. And I'm at full draw. And this goes on for about 15 seconds. And 
I hear some deer running behind me. I just I just hear hoofs and jumping and running going on behind me, like right behind me. And about that time, this deer starts angling my way and starts jumping through the CRP, like almost coming at me. <laughs> and like at first, he's coming right at me. And I had to turn and get my bow around the other side of this tree, my whole body and everything while he is coming at me. And then he turns and starts going parallel with me. And he never want, he never sees me. It is the craziest thing ever. Just this little tree between us. And he was so comfortable where he was. And there was a doe up there. I could kind of see her out the corner of my eye. And I'm steadily moving. And I'm pretty sure she is staring at me. And this buck, he gets past the tree. He kind of gets just a little past me. And I'm still at full draw. And I'm like, Matt, 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 trying to stop him. He's just a walk and won't stop. So I'm getting to where I can, basically where I can shoot him. When he gets into my sight glass, I can, you know, shoot him and hit him right there in the battle V. And about that time he gets in there, he's like walking into my crosshairs and getting right there where I think he's supposed to be. I go to shoot and he stops about the time I shoot. And ended up shooting his deer in the neck. And he, he like stopped and like turned towards me just a little bit. And I shot him basically in the neck. I basically got lucky. I mean, really. But this deer ended up being like seven to eight yards. Was looking <laughs> dead. He was looking dead at me when I shot. I guess he finally heard me. Right. Or seen that doe looking at me or, or something. But I ended up shooting his deer. I mean. Within eight yards of me, like I've never, <laughs> it, it and it happened like that. I mean, just so fast. And after I shot him, the deer runs off, and he's just standing there with his back to me. So I'm like, well, I'm ranging over there, and I was like, that tree right here is sixty yards, and I shoot sixty yards all the time. So I'm like, he's seventy yards. So I'm like, well. I'm not exactly sure about my shot, so I went to shoot him again and ended up putting him right where I, you know, needed to for 70 yards and shot, and I heard a pow, and that deer just jumps up, he runs, he makes a small loop, and I see him, I'm looking through my binoculars, and this deer's like looking back my way, all I can see is his antlers, and I can just tell he's looking back my way, and this small buck comes up behind him the one that he had been chasing off that morning come up behind him and like smelled him. And it like, startled him. That little butt like just jumped back, like just startled. And that buck, he started like hobbling off and I seen him go behind a tree and he disappeared from my angle, which apparently that wasn't the case after I, you know, went back to look for him. But I went and looked for my arrow, and the craziest thing is I ended up finding my arrow six feet away from the place I had just moved from. The last little high that I made, and I was like, I need to be in that bushier tree just five yards over. Yep. He ended up being like six foot from where I had just moved. <laughs> and there's probably no way I would have shot him if I'd been right there. Yeah. So it was like so crazy how it worked. I just had this 
urgent feeling like just something pushing me to, hey, you need to move just, just, just move right over there. You just need to be right there where you need to be. And I just, I don't know exactly what that was, but it was, it paid off for sure. Yeah. And, you know, basically just eased out of there and just had to let that buck sit overnight because, you know, I wasn't so sure about the shot. Which I ended up talking to a lot of guys on Patreon, on our Patreon group, which was really awesome. And and one of the guys, you know, he he does a lot of blood tracking with his dog. And I was asking him all kinds of questions. And he was tons of help along with a lot of other people on there. And they were kind of giving me their thoughts and this and that. And I try to find a somebody with a dog to go out there and help me that next morning just to make sure I just didn't want to lose a, a really nice buck and experience like that. But my brother come out there with me the next day and we ended up going right to the arrow. And there was, you know, which I knew before I left, my arrow had good blood on the fletchings. There was good blood at the shot site. We ended up tracking blood and, and I did end up shooting that buck twice. The second one wasn't a fatal shot. But it slowed him down because it, it basically busted all his knuckles on his back legs. But but anyways, that deer, I ended up shooting him right in the basically in the throat, cut his windpipe, and hit him in the in the spine, and it come out the other side of his neck, which I was shooting a fixed blade broadhead, and it it did him in. He only went a total. Following his blood trail from where I shot and where he died, a total of 200 yards. Okay. And and everywhere he stopped, that there was blood everywhere. I mean, it looked like <laughs> a murder. It looked like a murder scene. Right. And I mean, we ended up finding the deer pretty quick. Quickly, it took us about 45 minutes to track the deer going super slow, just being real cautious. But yeah, but. We were walking down a trail and I fall in the blood. I'll never forget my brother being like, Hey, there's your deer out there. And I'm like, What? What? <laughs> Where? And he's like, Come here. And I'm back up and there's like this little trail, faint trail that wise off to the right. And look over there's a little tree. And I seen white. When I seen that white eye flip now all the emotion from all night talking to people and just being sick, making a bad shot at a deer that close. Man, it just all went out the window. I was so excited. I was like jumping around out in this field, high fiving, just going just ecstatic. I mean, it was one of the best feelings. Oh yeah. Just to find a deer like after having that kind of encounter and just the whole story of that whole trip of seven days of you know, trying to get it done and it was just awesome to actually get him and be able to get him out and you know i had about a, a mile and a half drag to get him get him out of there and back to the truck right and were yeah were you able to use your buggy your little cart yes yeah, so, um so after we drug him out of the crp we were able to put him on that cart and uh, drag him the last like mile and a quarter on the, on the cart which still was not fun no i mean even with both of it that deer i mean i ended up having to sh- i was I was down in my underwear and just a shirt on <laughs> and all my stuff piled up on that deer. I mean, it was hot. It was hot. Right. We ended up, uh, 
Because that morning, I think the temps were only like a 55 for the low. But we ended up getting them out of there. It took us, I don't know, but I, I don't remember how long it took us to get them out of there. But it, I mean, it took a good little while. And I was good and tired by the time I got them out. Yeah. Yep. I bet you, well, you were still riding high off of the kill, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So it probably didn't feel as bad as it actually was. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually the first deer I've ever killed off the ground with a bow and arrow. Okay. And, you know, listening to a lot of different people talk about ground hunting. I mean, Walter talks about ground hunting all the time. You know, and I've always just grown up of being an elevated hunter. That's just how I grew up. You had to get in a stand. You had to be up in the air, off the ground. And that's the way I really like to hunt. That's where I'm comfortable that's just mainly what I know. So I really went out of my comfort zone and my element getting out there on the ground and trying to hunt this deer with a bow and arrow that I've really never had any success. And I've actually done very little, but I think it helped, you know, all the observation that I did of this deer, marking where I seen him and taking pictures of it really paid off when I got out there because that stuff looks totally different once you're out there in it. And I know for a fact, if I wouldn't have had those pictures, I would have never put myself in the right position to even have a chance to kill that deer. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely a good call. I don't, that may have been something I would have thought about if I was doing the same thing to where, cause like I said, you, once you get in and it probably all kind of looks the same, I'm sure once you get in there, I spent hours looking at pictures and looking at stuff out there trying to make sure I was in the right spot. Yeah, unless you, I mean, and maybe just, I know Onyx and the other, some of the other ones hunt stand where you got the line feature where you can kind of guess, all right, that's how far it would be in or whatever. Um, you, you can kind of yep. do those things and maybe yep. mark it, you, but yeah. still different. And just taking the pictures where you can go, okay, yeah, that's that tree. That's where I'm at. I'm at that, those little clump of trees right there uh, from the picture. Probably, like you said, made all the difference once you got in there. Uh, and it's a good tip for somebody else or s somebody listening to this. Like, hey, if, if you encounter something like this, that's a great way to go about it. Uh, take as many pictures as you can. and Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it paid off for you uh, being able to get uh, tucked in there uh, although it was funny how you kind of mentioned like the deer appeared from an area where you didn't think he might <laughs> appear from uh, so who knows he could have been possibly moving around then in that crp and you just didn't see him yeah he could he could have or or when i got out of that tree they may have got up and moved still because it was like nine o'clock when i got down yeah yeah that's so they could have easily moved again but my my thought was after I got in there, because that stuff, there was nothing quiet about it. Luckily, I had that 14 mile per hour wind. And it was just something told me I just need to stay right here. You know, I've been seeing that deer. He always shows up and ends up right here every time I see him. Yeah. He either shows up, he either shows up in that spot or he ends up in that spot. So that ultimately was, you know, kind of my thinking once I got in there and seen what I was in and all, I was like, you know, I just need to stick right here because if I go to where I last seen him and 
he's not there, then I'm just a SOL. I done blew out all these other deer because I kind of I went in. I went straight into the wind. I did not do any left or right walking. I kind of pretty much made a beeline into that area. Right. Because just to the left and just to the right of that area, a lot of these deer were bedded that I was seeing that I was seeing and I was trying not to run all them deer out as well and maybe spook that buck that was in there with that doe. So when I went in there I tried to get right where I wanted to get on on the um downwind side and go straight into it. Yeah. Straight to the wind, straight to where I wanted to be. Well, I'm sure it sounded like that trail you found that you followed in there definitely helped. <laughs> I'm sure it helped with your noise and everything. Yeah, because I, I probably made it in there probably 100, 100, or I'd say halfway in there before I found that trail. Okay. And it, it it was not quiet. And once I found that trail, I was like, man, this trail is leading me right where I want to go. <laughs> so I just kind of stayed on it and then just hopped right off that trail and got in that little tree line. I was like, well. He may come cruising around right this trail because this is the trail I seen him on this morning. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like it was a hunt where you did what you had to. Um, that was the biggest buck you saw the entire trip, right? Yep. Biggest one. And somehow brought him back to Alabama with me. I do <laughs> not know. You know, Missouri has been good to me. That place has been really good. I mean, I've been going for three years, and that would be the second buck I brought home and should have brought home one the first year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of made a bad shot or hit on a really big deer. And just ever since then, I have put so much work into my bow setup and spending three to four times as much time shooting my bow as I had previously. Ever since that happened, I was so sick, so frustrated and tore up about it that, you know, I, I've been working on my own bow, completely changed my arrow setup, went from a mechanical to a fixed blade just because of the deer there. And mature deer don't give you the shot you want most of the time. You're going to have to take a, a shot that you might, you know, you might be uh, playing with bones. And I went with uh, basically like a, a plan B, something that's heavier. If I do encounter bone, I want to be able to break it, still be able to kill the deer. Yeah. You know, because we're not always the best shot and are the, the best in those moments either. So we need all the help we can. Well, yeah, and that and just weird things happen. Like you're expecting that yeah. buck to keep moving. I mean, you were aiming where you were aiming because you were expecting him to walk into your arrow and he stops yeah. on a dime when you release the arrow and he stopped, he stopped and like turned towards me a little bit. It was kind of weird what he did. Cause he was, he was moving real fast. Right. You know, if he wouldn't have been moving fast, I could have just aimed right where I wanted because he was so close. But that's the thing about bow hunting. You just have just to experience and you have to have them failures to, you know, to really know what to do and just anything can happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple of good points from this hunt to uh, definitely take away is if you're observing something that's happening over and over again, 
I mean, it's time to make a move. It's time to uh, think outside the box, which you did. You're like, hey, I've never killed anything from the ground. Hadn't had any real success. Hadn't tried it much. But I'm going to have to give it a go on this hunt if I want to be mm-hmm. successful. Yeah, and I'm listening to different podcasts, uh, some of it being uh, y'all's and different things Walt's talked about. And last year, Walt killed a, a few deer off the ground. Yeah. And just people talking about, you know, sometimes you don't have a place you can set up and hunt in and you're going to have to hunt on the ground. And I had to put in my mind that this year I was going to hunt on the ground some this year and I was going to try to make myself a better just rounded hunter. And just instead of just thinking I always had to be elevated, I was going to get in some of these spots. I'm like, man, I wish I could hunt, but there's not a tree in here. And just I'm going to get on the ground and hunt and it just so happened that this situation arrived and and I just, you know, from listening to different people and watching different people being successful at it and then just all the observing and pictures, it was time for me to do it. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the last, that was the only thing that I hadn't done. And if I, I knew if I was going to kill a buck or kill that buck, I had to get out there with him. I basically got in his bedroom and sat there for seven hours and waited him out. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And I mean, and it, it was the first deer I seen and basically the only deer I seen. And it was calculated. I mean, you up and to that point, you, I mean, you were thinking about leaving. So you're really, you're not doing any harm blowing that bed and area up right. for the remainder of the trip because that was pretty much it. So yeah, that was the thought process. I'm like, well, Kind of last hurrah, I'm just going to go and get right up there with him. Yeah. And kind of hope he comes back through like he's been doing. And you can tell that, I mean, from what you were talking about is he felt comfortable in there. Like uh, it must have never have crossed his mind that there would be a hunter waiting on the ground for him (laughs) at eight yards. Chase, he did not know what happened. I shot this deer. He still didn't know what happened. I shot him again. He still doesn't know what happened because he doesn't run 20, 30 yards, and he's just looking back like, what is going on? Right. He's just standing there looking back my direction, not having a clue what in the world is going on. Yeah. He's just like, what happened? And I basically ran him off of his hot dough. He's just standing there. You can tell he don't want to leave. He's just standing there looking back my direction. Right. You know, we ended up finding that deer probably 80 yards from where I last seen him. Yeah. He didn't go much further and then died. No. Yeah, didn't. And you said he scored 127, right? Yeah. Um, when I scored him, he was 127 and two eights. Okay. You know? Yeah. And you finally got a, a entry into the bow hunting league. <laughs> yep. Yeah, finally got us a deer in there. Yeah, exactly. Finally got us a deer in there. Um, I'm hoping it's just one of a, a few. Yeah, yeah. Well, you still got your season in Alabama. Uh, still full ahead of you. Yep, and getting to the better part of it, finally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, good deal, man. Well, I was I was texting back and forth. I mean, you had kind of told me the plan. And I was like, all right, he's finally, he's committed. He's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling you that. And, and uh, I was, I mean, me and Brandon, we were kind of like on the home stretch of our ride back home at that point. 
because um, we had left that afternoon and we drove about eight hours and stayed in a hotel and got some sleep and then we're making the uh, rest of the trip back and uh, I re- remembered when you were texting me we were like I got him <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember calling you when I was walking out yeah and I called Brandon I was like hey Brandon you ain't gonna believe this but I was like he got an arrow in him uh, we don't know what the rest of the story is yet but uh he says he shot him at like eight yards or something i uh, was pumped up just from the ground i was just pumped up just from that experience alone eight yards on a mature buck and you're standing right there pretty much eye to eye with him yeah wow that is that is just something else yeah for sure i would have had brandon on here with us too but i mean him and i hunted together the entire time like we, everything we scouted we hunted i mean we were in the same tree uh the entire trip so uh it wasn't like he had any like different experiences than i did uh for the trip um like i said we the, we came with a couple of conclusions of uh maybe we we probably should have maybe stuck it out more in an area uh, that uh, we we didn't really get the because this was his first trip out to the Midwest, like we discussed prior on the other podcast, just trying to kind of get that whole like rut experience uh, that that you find uh, in yeah. the Midwest. Um, and I really, honestly, in all the trips I've had, I really haven't. Iowa was probably the best, I would say, um, but even Kansas, Illinois, um, I really can't say that I've had just a, like a crazy rut hunt experience. Uh, in the midwest so i'm still searching for it <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely wasn't that way when we were there we it just it just wasn't happening yeah yep that's, that's just the way it's going to be sometimes that seemed to be the story from everybody we talked to that was in yeah. that same area yeah even the locals were saying that that it just wasn't it wasn't quite right yet yep. man well i appreciate you coming back on the podcast um, I know all the Patreon members were uh, rooting for you and happy for you uh, whenever you finally laid hands on that deer. So that was a cool experience for them, too, because I got to see the emotional side from the standpoint of me getting him close to this deer and shooting him and just being ecstatic just about that. And then right. the part of the shot and us, all of us talking back and forth and then me actually finding the deer. So that was that was cool for you know, the whole Patreon, the Marco Polo group and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was following along with that. Uh, it, it really was cool to see. And uh, I know all of those guys that are constantly on there were following along and uh, were super excited for you. Yeah, it, it, it was awesome. I, I was definitely a hunt I'll never forget. And I will never rule out going after one again on the ground. Yeah, well, um I think I'm going to, with that being said, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate you sharing that experience with everybody. And I hope the discussion we had and the experience Brett had on this hunt will inspire you to get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. <laughs>